Hillbilly Horror Stories presents Eerie Encounters. In 1996, my grandson Brandon visited us and stayed for quite a while. He occupied the upstairs guest rooms and was very happy there. He also was a great help to me because my husband, Alfred, was very ill at the time. After several weeks, Brandon grew restless. He wanted and needed a job, so he left for Southern California. As fate would have it, he had some bad luck in jobs and his personal life. He was very unhappy, I'm sorry to say. He eventually took his own life. Some weeks later, after his transition, the touch-on-and-off table lamps in his bedroom came on when nobody was in the room. This happened repeatedly. Alfred explained to me that it's very easy for a spirit to manipulate electrical things like lamps. In 2001, my beloved husband passed away. During his lifetime, he had a hobby with his punctuality of clocks. For this reason, he purchased an atomic-controlled wall clock. He was always so very happy when the news came on at exactly the right time. He pointed this out on many occasions. One afternoon, a few months after his transition, I saw that the wall clock had stopped. I thought maybe the battery was low or maybe even dead, but I did not address the problem right away. Later that day, I discovered to my surprise that the clock was right on time again and functioning normally. Now, Alfred was an electrical and mechanical engineer, so I thought he probably had something to do with that. Knowing him, just touching some lamps would be a little too simple for his taste. He would want to do something more sophisticated, so he stopped the time on the clock. Later, I visited with my daughter, Doris. When I told her about the event and my explanation for it, the lights in her living room dimmed. It was as if Alfred was confirming that I was right. I'm very glad that he let us know that he's okay and hopefully happy. For me, that is my proof of survival after death. That's from Deedlin Mask in Laguna Hills, California. An interesting event happened to me in October 2007 when I was about 10 years old. I was living in Minnesota with my family, consisting of myself, my parents, and three younger brothers. I slept in the front bedroom with two of my brothers. I slept in a single bed while my brothers shared a double bed. One night, I found myself awake for no apparent reason with what appeared to be a female figure, five to six feet tall, standing right beside my bed. The figure was facing me and standing near the head of my bed. It seemed to be covered from head to toe with a white gown, much like a wedding dress. It was a complete cover for her body, and I could not see any of her face nor any of her skin. I thought it was just a dream. I closed my eyes and I went back to sleep. The next night, the figure appeared again in the same place. This time it was waving a white cloth over my head and I could see a bare forearm and a hand. The skin was that of a Caucasian, while the rest of the figure was covered by the same clothes as before. And I stared at the image with disbelief and I became determined to prove to myself that this was not really happening. So I made a grab for the hand that was waving the white cloth to prove that there was nothing there. 
To my great surprise, my fingers grasped the cold, hard, and smooth hand of a human woman. For some reason, I made no attempt to call out to awaken my brothers. I put my head under the covers and immediately fell asleep. I've never experienced an encounter similar to this since then, and I have no idea what the figure was attempting to communicate to me, if anything. I would like to hear if other people have had similar experiences. That's from James Buchanan in Duluth, Minnesota. My interest in the unexplained began shortly after my 8th birthday. I read anything that I could get on the supernatural, psychics, and strange events. I believe that nothing is really beyond the natural. We'll explain everything once we figure out how to measure and quantify it. Having seances seemed like a fun way to entertain my friends, so I bought a black candle and followed a ritual that I found in a book. I've always believed that some people are mediums who can call on the spirits of those who have passed on. I just did not think that I was one of them. Therefore, in order to impress and scare my friends, I devised a way to cheat. A piece of hard candy in my mouth could be quietly spit out at an appropriate time to create a quote-unquote spirit noise across the room. I could also free one of my hands by tricking the people on either side of me to hold one of my hands. I was then free to create quote-unquote spirit touches in the dark. I started these entertaining seances a few months before my sister's birthday party. Everyone enjoyed my performance and kept asking for more. My shtick was to call on the spirits of dead famous people, such as George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, John Kennedy, and Marilyn Monroe. On New Year's Eve 2002, when I was 12 years old, my parents went out with friends, leaving all the children in the house to celebrate together. We were provided with plenty of snacks, food, soda, pizza, and such. Around 8 p.m., someone asked me to perform a seance. We all sat on the floor in my brother's bedroom around the lit black candle. Including me, there were nine people present. Gail, my best friend, Sean, my brother, Vicki, my sister, and my friends Scott, Holly, Dale, Barry, and Don, who were all siblings. I called on various deceased famous people and used my tricks. Then Gail asked if I could call on her mother who had died in a car accident about 12 years before when Gail was only a year old. She never knew her mother, having been raised by her paternal grandmother. Everyone present said that I should do this, so I agreed, although I thought it might be upsetting to Gail if nothing happened. After I called on Gail's mother, a light appeared in the corner of the room. It was like two wheels rotating, one inside the other. Everyone saw it and panicked. I said, break the circle and we all let go of each other's hands. Then someone said, It's still there. At that point, mass hysteria started. The candle went out. Everyone was trying to get past everyone to leave the room. No one could seem to get to the door or to the light. I had to disentangle myself from several people just to crawl to the light switch in the door. I managed to reach up and flick the light. Then we could no longer see the light wheels. Everyone rushed out of the room and went downstairs to have some soda and snacks and celebrate New Year. They all refused to talk about what happened. Some of them refused to talk about it even now, years later. They all refused to ever have a seance with me again. 
That's from Randy's Hoffman in Reading, Pennsylvania. Callie is a short, fat female cat that started showing up at my house in January of 2002. She showed up at the exact same time every day, so we just assumed that her owners let her out when they got home, and being that she was quite fat, she was just looking for some extra free meals. We had fed a number of stray cats over the years and have always kept an extra bag of food on hand. About the end of February, Callie started staying and not leaving during the day, Sometime during March, we started seeing a wispy outline of a woman passing through our kitchen. Nothing clear, just a vague outline. This did not strike me as too odd, being a member of various paranormal groups. I've seen many strange things and have had poltergeists in my house in the past. One mid-April day, I was looking out of our sliding glass doors onto the deck where the cat was looking back at me. For about three seconds, a full apparition of a little old lady appeared right on top of the cat. I promise you I saw her as clear as a real person standing there. She was very frail, had her hair in a bun, and she wore a long sleeved full-length, dark print dress and looked like she was at least 70 years old. Not knowing what was going on, but having some idea and having some training with dowsing, I got out my pendulum and started asking questions. I learned that the cat had come from no farther than five miles away. The ghost was the cat's owner, who had died in January. I also learned that she was hanging around because she was concerned about the cat's well-being. Wanting to confirm what I learned, I started asking around and found out that the widow Smith, not her real name, had lived about three miles from me and she died in January, and she fit the description of the apparition exactly. I also found out that her son took over the house and threw everything out. That could explain the cat's fear of males. It took some time, but it has since accepted me. I let Miss Smith know that we would be taking good care of her cat, and we would be taking it to the vet along with ours for shots next week. I told her that it was time to cross over and go to the light. We've not seen her since. The cat is still here. I guess living by herself, that cat was very important to her, and as fat as it was and used to being indoors, very pampered. I feel she could not cross over until she knew that her cat was going to be taken care of. We much obliged. That story was from Thomas Ginther from Alton, Virginia. It was a windy, chilly day in March when my mother and father moved into a new home that they had just bought in the northwest side of Chicago. This was an income home that had three apartments. My dad wanted the first floor apartment. The basement and the upper floor were going to be rented out. Now, immediately, my two daughters, Janine, who was three at the time, and Bonnie, who was six, asked to stay overnight with Grandma and Grandpa. They agreed to have the girls come in in about a month, which would give Grandma time to get all settled. The girls looked forward to sleeping in the new house and eating Grandma's delicious plum cakes. Well, the month passed quickly and soon the girls were packing their pajamas to stay with Grandma and Grandpa. One would think that they were planning a trip to Europe as excited as they were, 
I left the girls in Grandma's capable hands. The next evening, when I went to pick them up, they had a strange story to tell me. They said that after Grandma tucked them in for the night and had their nightly prayers, a strange thing occurred. The figure of a man emerged from the closet and stood at the foot of their bed, just staring at them. They were so frightened that they pulled the blankets up over their heads and fell asleep after a while. At first, I thought the girls were spinning a tale, so I asked Grandma about it. She had a tale that was just as strange. Her story was that whenever she left that closet door open, strange vibrations filled the room. And one night when she left the door open, a dark figure emerged from it and stood at the foot of her bed. She turned on the bed lamp and the figure disappeared. Well, evidently, Grandma had forgotten to close the closet door when she bedded down the girls. My thoughts were, there is a troubled spirit asking for help. I was able to obtain the address of the former owner of the house, a widow. She was living in the Chicago suburb of Skokie with her daughter. After locating the house, I was introduced to Miss Hans Schmidt. She was friendly and spoke with an accent. Miss Schmidt said that she sold the home because of some bad memories. Here is the story as she told it to me. My husband Hans had borrowed some money from his brother to buy the house. His brother bargained with him after a while to stay with us, using the balance of the money owed to cover his room and board. However, Hans disagreed, and an argument ensued. Hans pushed his brother aside as he thought he was going to strike him. His brother fell backwards, striking his head on a rock by the garden gate. He died instantly. After that, Hans became despondent and would sit for hours at a time in the bedroom, just staring into space. One afternoon, I went shopping, and when I came home, I found Hans hanging by one of my clotheslines in the closet. He just couldn't forgive himself for the death of his brother, so he hanged himself. His spirit still occupies the closet. I was afraid that I didn't know how to handle it, so I sold the house. I then told Miss Schmidt that I would go to the rectory and make arrangements for a priest to come and perform some rituals to give Hans' spirit some peace. Miss Schmidt and all her family attended the rituals. We all prayed for the soul's release and set the spirit free to enjoy everlasting peace. After the rituals, we found no vibrations in the room when the door was left open. No one walked from the closet to the bed at night. It was so peaceful, Hans' spirit was set free. That's from Lillian Burton in River Grove, Illinois. The death of my mother, Viola, left a devastated family that had been so close. A few weeks after the funeral, on a summer afternoon, my older sister, Angela, a heavy smoker, decided to take a short nap on the couch, something she usually never does. However, she was extremely exhausted, as we all were, and she needed to relax. She lay down and lit a cigarette with the intentions of taking a few drags and putting it out. Of course, the obvious occurred. She dropped off to sleep quickly, still holding the lit cigarette in her hand. Nobody was at home, and it was quiet and peaceful. Her husband, who was a surgeon, was at the hospital. Suddenly, she dreamed that the phone rang, which woke her up with a jolt. The cigarette was about to burn out and onto her body when she jumped up and frantically put it out in the ashtray next to her. She ran quickly to answer the phone. Mother's voice screamed, Put your cigarette out! And she hung up. 
And then Angela woke up. She was standing by the table and looking at the phone, which was still on the receiver. She didn't know how it happened, but that phone call from her mom may have saved her life. She could have burned to death. That's from Ethel Rawson in Hardwood Heights, Illinois. You have been listening to Hillbilly Horror Stories presents Eerie Encounters. If you have an eerie encounter that you would like read on the show, please send it to hillbillyhorrorstories at gmail.com.